Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle, stuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It's a Friday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's a fan Friday. You know what that means. Your questions via the Twitter mailbag. We'll answer those with John Kinjemi. We'll break down this game on Sunday with John as well. And we'll also get into the NFL picks for week number 17. Two more weeks to go. And we are flying through the end of the season here on the podcast from somewhere in South Florida. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and open this podcast as we do on Fridays by welcoming in my friend, John Kinjemi. And after a week hiatus, I'm happy to welcome back into the Drive Time Podcast, John Kinjemi. We didn't talk to you over the Christmas holiday, John, but how was your holiday? How are things going for you, my friend? Christmas was outstanding, Travis. Um, I hope yours was as well. Um, yeah, I had spent time with the family. Uh, got to get outside and, and uh, enjoy the South Florida winter, which was like, you know, 75, 85 degrees. Too good. It was uh, cooler in the morning and, and nice in the afternoon. So I got to play some golf with my son and my friends. So uh, everything was safe and healthy. So back to focusing on football now. All of my friends back home would be jealous of what you just said. Playing golf around Christmas time does not exist where I'm from. And, and you mentioned the, the weather <laughs> down here. I couldn't wait to get back, John. It was nice to see everybody, but I couldn't wait to get back. And, you know, the NFL, the the way this league works, like the holidays, the, the work still comes and, and doesn't stop. So we're still plugging away here. And I'm glad you had a happy holiday. New Year's coming up. Actually, New Year's Eve right now uh, on this as we as we publish this podcast on a Friday, but let's go ahead and jump into the matchup on Sunday because it's a big one, John. We've been kind of angling towards this point of the season during the course of this winning streak. Just keep basically keep saying, Hey, if they keep winning, the games keep getting more and more important. So we come into this game against a team that I believe they've punched their ticket to the postseason. If not, they're very close to having done so. So one of these kind of higher level AFC teams, what are the keys to stopping? Let's go on the offensive side of the football Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, they got things cranking in that game on Thursday. What do you think the keys are to stopping that Titans offense? Well, they're a good team. They're a solid team. And most Sundays, they don't beat themselves. So I think for the Dolphins this week, it's going to be a lot of what they've been doing in this seven-game win streak is don't give the Titans the easy interception or don't give the Titans you know easy field position where they don't have to do too much to get points. And it goes back to the quarterback always. And Ryan Tannehill, we know him well. He's a tough kid. He's not a kid anymore, but he (laughs) is to me. And, um, you know, it it just when you watch him play, the better they are around Ryan Tannehill, the better he's going to play because he doesn't have to risk the football. It's really a lot of curls, a lot of slants, uh, some tight end play. Uh, You get off of that play action if they can run it a little bit. Uh, they remind me of of the Miami Dolphins right now. When you take a look at their offense, you know they have Foreman and McNichols and Hillard. I, I believe it is that mm-hmm. they have a a, a a trio that's getting it done with Derrick Henry out, and it doesn't look like 
you know, he's coming back uh, anytime soon, maybe next week before the playoffs, if, if the, everything goes well for the Titans. But, uh, you know, it reminds me of Johnson, Gaskin, and, and Lindsey over the last couple of weeks. If they get enough out of that trio of running the football, and whoever has the hot hand is going to go for both teams. That helps Tua. That helps Tannehill. That helps their, their, pa- their quick passing game. It helps their play action. It helps the RPO. It helps all that. Uh, a quarterback is looking for when they're not just primarily a, a pass first team. So um, I think you have to take that into account, you know, since the Henry injury, you know, Ryan Tannehill's numbers, his percentages has been good around 68, but the touchdown to interception ratio hasn't been only five touchdowns to seven interceptions. So you feel like you've got the upper hand on defense, especially if they can shut down the run, that is the dolphins defense and get to that pressure package that has been really difficult on young quarterbacks let's see how it works on a, on a veteran guy this week hopefully yeah I think that's a key to this game is is multiple takeaways for the Dolphins defense and that, that's what they've been doing I went back to basically after the 0-7 start in 2019 when Miami put together that run that gave them a, a the NFL's longest streak of a consecutive games the takeaway they've only had two games this year without a takeaway so going back over the last 37 games Miami's taken the football away 61 times it's what they do and I think they have to do it in this game John, I have a few follow-ups for you there that I want to get to. But number one, I want to ask you about play-action passing when the running game is not working and how you can thwart a team's play-action passing game. Because for the Titans, and John, you mentioned we know Ryan Tannehill well. That's what he was so good at down here in Miami. That 2016 season, 12 personnel, hand the ball off to Ajay, hit the play-action passing game. And it's not like you have to have a dominant running game to make that happen because he's done that with and without Derrick Henry in the lineup. He's done it throughout the course of his career. So my question is, how do you thwart a play-action game? Is it, It's got to be more than just stopping the run, right? You have to find ways to get him in a third and long. What do you think is the best way to stop the play-action game for the Titans? Well, the Dolphins obviously have to win on early downs. Yep. You know, you, you have to take away Ryan Tannehill's first option. Most times it's A.J. Brown. It could be you know, a, a check down on certain instances after play action. You play action, don't like it, get it to the tight end. You play action, don't like it, you scramble a little bit, you make a play with your legs. Those are the types of things that Ryan Tannehill does really well, the ad-lib play and the on-schedule play. I, I think that they go hand in hand. That's part of what the Titans like to do on offense, minus Derrick Henry. Now, if you can get him to hold the football, have him squeeze the air out of it, which sometimes – in games that don't start off really well for Ryan, he has a tendency to hold it. Now, the Titans have given up 45 sacks. That means they're getting away from the running game. They're putting more pressure on their passing game. Uh, you know, that's that's fourth most in the NFL. If the Dolphins can get to that situation where they take away the run, it really takes away your play-action game because you don't have to honor it as much because the front four, the front five are kind of handling you know the line of scrimmage. Now you get to attack mode where you might put Xavier Howard or you might put Jones exclusively on A.J. Brown. Hey, have him run around with him the entire afternoon or a combination of both of those guys, and you get after the quarterback. If you can get into that scenario, it goes back to stopping the run, stopping the play action. If it's non-existent, boy, advantage Miami because now they get into all that exotic defense and that exotic look and you're either going to hold on to it, you're either going to throw it away, or you're going to throw it to a different color jersey at some point in that equation. 
I was telling a friend earlier this week how weird it is to game plan or, or you know put a podcast together and, and have these conversations about how to stop Ryan Tannehill after seven years of talking about how he can beat the opposition. It's it's kind of a bizarro world for me, John. And I was going back <laughs> on my my Facebook memories of all things the other day, and I remembered that in that 2019 season when he turned things around with the Titans, there they had run a CBS story on him, and they had a B roll of some different articles written about Tannehill and they focused on one that I wrote about when he was traded and it was Ryan or Dolphins trade Tannehill where things went wrong. And that was kind of a nice reminder of like myself starting to get recognized more and more here. And I found that very interesting. So as I'm sitting here talking about Tannehill, we've kind of beaten that horse. I think I want to just one last follow up here about the Titans offense. And you mentioned AJ Brown and I know Julio Jones is back and he's been kind of banged up this year. But again, that offense really got going when AJ Brown got involved What's the best way to handle him? I mean, you've got so many options because of the way the secondary is built. We've seen, I mean, we saw it on Monday, the way they doubled and took Alvin Kamara basically out of that game. Is that the approach? Is it time for Xavier Howard to say, hey, you're an all-pro cornerback. Go over there and handle him. Byron Jones is pretty good too. Does he do it? Like, what do you think is the best approach for slowing down a guy that put up 11 catches on 16 targets for a buck 35 and a touchdown last week? Yeah, I mean, A.G. Brown's an alpha male, right? Like, this is a guy that's going to get his ticket catches he's going to get his targets I just think you have to make it consistently difficult and whether that means Xavier Howard is, is shadowing him the entire game and you feel like you can get away with you know uh, the, the the lesser evil of the two and let Ryan Tannehill pick and choose where else he wants to go with the football or is he going to try to you know jam it to AJ Brown because he has such a big catch radius and he trusts him so much you know when the ball's in the air uh, or is it a combination of, of Howard and Jones? You know, I, I don't know how the, the defensive scheme is going about, you know, with their pressure packages and what they've shown on film and how much they're going to vary from that. You know, sometimes you can outthink yourself and say, listen, we're going more against a veteran. It's not rookie. It's not rookie back-to-back weeks or a guy that's never taken a snap in the National Football League. And we have to depend on him throwing us the football on a mistake. You know, I would think that, Somewhere down the line, and I was having this conversation with Dan Marino the other day, I, I was saying somewhere down the line, if I'm the offensive coordinator of an opposing team and the Dolphins line up with seven across the board and they're man coverage and it's zero, I'm telling A.J. Brown, it might be this week, you get on your horse mm-hmm. and you run as fast as you can right to the outside shoulder of Xavier Howard or right to the outside shoulder of Jones And you just get on your horse and go. And I'm going to throw it with a bunch of air, and it's going to meet you about 40 yards down the field. But I'm going to do that three or four times in the game to get the Dolphins out because one of those times I might hit for six, and it might back them off the line of scrimmage. So if I'm the offensive coordinator and I see that blitz coverage coming, and even if they bail out, I still want to be able to have somebody, my best player, going a million miles an hour down the field to try – to do something different because the, the heels of the defender are planted firmly about eight to 10 yards. And in that game against the saints, they weren't moving. And if you, if you watch the replay again, boy, that outside X or Z receiver, he had a lot of daylight when the ball was thrown underneath. But if you hang some air underneath that, you just guess, right. You can guess for six. So that's how I would combat the dolphins defense. And for the dolphins, they, you know, they maybe not outthink themselves, They've got something that's working. Let's see how it works against Brian Tannehill once you shut the run down. 
Yeah, that vertical game is certainly one area that can that can back you off that cover zero look. And I think the Titans pose probably the best challenge so far we've seen over the course of this winning streak of doing that. Besides maybe the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, they had that one chance early in that game that didn't go uh, to Sammy Watkins, and they couldn't get back to it the rest of the game. So again, you talk about AJ Brown, that's Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. I like those matchups too. So let's go to the other side of the football and talk about this Titans up front. I mean, I'm curious about how you would approach this, John, because if you look at their their frontline guys play a significant majority of the snaps and the production matches, like Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry have insane pass rush production. The, the same is true of Harold Landry and Bud Dupree off either edge. And then beyond that, their depth hasn't had to play a whole lot this year, and thus the production's not there. I'm curious if there's a way the Dolphins can force them to get their depth onto the field and see if other guys can beat you. Is there a way to tire those guys down or find a way to get their snap count way up there? The only way in my mind that the Dolphins kind of have the upper hand, I think the offensive line needs to have their most complete game of the year. Now that, that doesn't mean it's always in the run game or it's always in pass protection. I'm talking about assignment football and not allowing you know, that, that free blitzer or that guy that just wins clean off the line of scrimmage. That's how, that's how you slow down the Titans defense in that front seven. Because as you mentioned, you know, Harold Landry's coming off the edge with his hair on fire. You know, he has 11 sacks on the year. Simmons, you can move him anywhere along that defensive front. He can find the quarterback. He can occupy multiple blockers. Uh, And then I think Autry's the, the guy he may be out of the game. He might've been on the COVID list. Uh, I, I think yesterday. So yeah. I'm not so sure if he's, you know, where he's at in terms of coming back, but um, it's a formidable front, but I think I still feel like you do a, a little bit, Travis. I think the dolphins, they've got so much confidence right now. They don't care which running back it is. Somebody get a hot hand Tua still completes a high percentage of throws over this seven game win streak. If that continues and you, you, take out that one or two really bad play instead of a turnover, it's incomplete, or even take a sack. You know, just don't give it up and and make them earn what they get in terms of field position. I think the Dolphins, gosh, I I like their chances against this this group. Yeah, and if if the offense can kind of find a way to get things clicking, that's only going to provide them with, you know, more ways to win down the stretch here. And we saw it on the Monday night game. I think it was pretty clear they wanted to play a complimentary style to really complement a defensive performance that had a good chance to play at a high level. And they definitely fulfilled that, that outlook. And the offense was kind of just, you know, like you mentioned, don't give them short fields. Don't turn the ball over easy interceptions, things like that. I'm curious to see if they get into a situation in a game where they have to go make some plays, how they can go ahead and do that. And so speaking of that offensive side of the football, what do you think is the key to making that happen here? Because Jalen Waddle has, I mean, really throughout the course of the season, going back to training camp, it looked like he was clearly going to be a guy on this offense. And he's taken that role to really another level to where he's basically setting records every single week for the Dolphins, for rookies across the NFL, whatever the case may be. What about his usage in this game? Some keys to the offensive success. You touched on the running backs a little bit. Just kind of give us an overview about how you think this Dolphins offense might look in this game. I think it's it's time for... Tua to, to have a dominant game, you know, in terms of not that complimentary guy, but come out and, and use that uh, tempo a little bit, come out and really accentuate what he does well and have guys around him other than Jalen Waddle, because Jalen's going to be a focal point of the offense, but have other guys 
kind of make a play here or there that that dictate how well the Dolphins do offensively. You know, whether it's Mike Kosicki making a, a tight catch or, or it's Derm Smythe or it's, you know, it's outside with Devontae Parker. Uh, you know, Hollins, like a big play like Hollins made against New Orleans Saints. I mean, that's a hell of a catch at a, at a critical time. But, but that's a chain mover. I mean, that's a 40-yard-plus play. Plays like that, you have to stay consistent. You have to kind of, you know, pick and choose when to do it. But those are the types of plays, I think, that are going to create some separation in terms of if the Dolphins start fast, stay consistent, don't make those critical mistakes or those errors early. I think they're, they're as good as the Titans, if not better right now. I, I think they're on a more of a, of a mojo role than the Titans are right now, even though they're coming off of a nice Thursday night win and they have 10 wins on the season. I think the Dolphins believe they're going to, every time they hit the field, they're going to win now. And I, I think that's the mentality, no matter if, if things go poorly early or not, but more important this week, I think with the rain, the wind, the snow, all the stuff that can happen on Sunday. And that's what they're calling for would be good early and, and make that a, a start point to have more success as the game goes on. Yeah, and kind of drive that confidence factor like you're talking about home, right? A quick score could really, I think, give the Dolphins all kinds of confidence. We saw on Monday night the defensive score. I really thought that changed the complexion of the rest of that ball game because all of a sudden the back of Ian Book's mind, like, I can't make a mistake like that again. It cannot happen for us to have success. Do something like that. A big defensive takeaway. An opening drive score I think would go a long way. John, you said a bunch here, but I want to go ahead and compartmentalize it into one thing. The Dolphins will win this game, in your opinion, if fill in the blank. They win field position, special teams, and turnovers. So that's my focus this week because I mentioned weather. And most times, you know, you don't have that be a factor living in South Florida, playing at Hard Rock Stadium. And this year, the Dolphins have been very lucky when they've gone on the road, haven't really face any adversity in terms of mother nature this week. I think it's there. They're calling for, you know, a little bit of rain early. They're calling for snow flurries and they're calling for wind and gusts up to 25 miles an hour. Well, one thing that does, it affects throwing the football down the field and it affects your kicking game. And the kicking game's about a draw in my opinion, in terms of Randy Bullock and Jason Sanders, but Mike Pilardi has been on a little bit of a roll. If he can continue his hot streak in terms of, you know, punts inside the 20. Last week he had three, uh, one inside the five-yard line. Great play by Holland, to, you know, to get the football uh, covered up uh, inside the five-yard line. But it's field position, it's turnovers, and I, I think it's kicking game. I, I think it's going to play a major factor in terms of where Ryan Tannehill starts, where Tua Tungabailoa starts his offense, and, and how this game kind of progresses if Tua only has to go 40, 50, 60 yards with, with a lot of success, he can do that. If you put Tannehill on a long field for the majority of the game, you know, maybe the Dolphins win that field position and it, it kind of kicks the, the confidence in that, in that short field over to Tua. I think that that happens. You know, I, I think that the Dolphins can win this tough game on the road. And where points are going to be at a premium, too. The Titans have only tried one field goal of 50-plus yards this year. I think that could play a factor as well, see if they get more aggressive in the kicking game or stay aggressive on the offensive side. And to your point about the weather, I just pulled up the weather app here. Like, <laughs> Nashville's weather the next three days looks like... It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Like Now it's beautiful. <laughs> it reminds me of like get... one of those like disaster movies. You have Friday, yeah. 72 degrees high, 40% chance of rain. Saturday, 73 with 
a 90% chance of lightning. Okay. And then Sunday goes down to 57 with a low of 27, a 30 degree range with a 60% chance of snow. That's it's wild. We'll see what happens come Sunday, but hopefully this Dolphins team is, is ready and prepared, and we know they will be wherever it comes. You know what, it, Travis, it, it goes back to saying, you know, if the offense can stay on the field and not consistently get behind the chains, you know, weather plays a huge factor in your play calling, you know, because you're up in the booth going, I don't want to put this team in a bad situation. You got to stay kind of on the edge, even though it's bad weather it's tougher on both sides. You know, at least on offense, you know where you're going, right? And, and that could play a factor in, into a big play. And hopefully hopefully in the Dolphins' favor. So let's let's see how that That's plays right. out. I'm, I'm very excited about this game, John. It's been, a, it's been a long time since we had a game this big. I think really, really last year against Buffalo was the last kind of big, big, big game like this we've seen. So hopefully it goes our way this time around. I got three mailbag questions for you, John. You ready? Yeah, absolutely. All right, first one here, and this is going against what we want to talk about here. It's one day at a time, right? But at Aaron3488 asks, how far do you think this team can go if the defense continues to play at this level they have been since the streak began? Well, hopefully they can go for two more weeks, uh, a solid two weeks, because that gets you in the playoffs. And it probably gets you right back into Tennessee facing the Titans, you know, the way things look. But if this defense continues to create the turnovers, create the sacks, create the forced fumbles and field position for this offense. This team can go a, a long way as long as they get some complimentary football from offense and special teams. But it's been fun to watch. I mean, there is no question. The offense has played good, you know, but they haven't played great. The defense has played great to outstanding. I mean, this, this unit has been spectacular. It's everything we thought they would be for the first maybe yes. seven or eight weeks of the season. They turned it around. They turned it around in a spectacular fashion. Now I'm with you. Sunday and then the following Sunday, let's just keep going one game at a time and keep this thing rolling. Next question from at Uncle Poppy 26. Parker was targeted once last game and Gasicki not targeted very much either. Is this more of a game plan thing or is Tua not looking their way? John, I can tell you off the top here and you can continue this. Marshawn Lattimore drew Parker almost the entire game. That's one of the best cover cornerbacks in the league. What do you think? What was the cause of that? Well, I think that had a lot to do with it. And I think game plan wise, when you looked at New Orleans and their weakness with all the COVID uh, list defenders and especially at linebacker, you put Jalen Waddle in the backfield. Right. Now you draw a linebacker immediately for coverage or you get zone or, or you get a guy that's running away from guys that don't have that type of speed. So I think the Dolphins really kind of game planned into a fact, where do we have our best matchups? It might not be on the outside because Lattimore is one of their better players. And this week, you know, Jenkins is pretty good at the corner. You get Bird that's really good on the outside. You know, you, you got to look at matchups. And where do the Dolphins have the best advantage, you know? So last week it was by moving Jalen from slot to, to X or Z back into the backfield at a running back. This week it might be a tight end or it might be, uh, you know, somebody on the outside. So it's all about the matchups. And, and this week, you know, it's the front seven that are really good. They can get after the quarterback. But I, I do think there's some things you can take advantage of in the secondary. I want to give Parker some credit because I, I think you're right about the game plan. Like, let's not even try Lattimore because we saw what happened when they did. He picked it off and gave him a short field. That's the kind of player he is. But Parker ran every route hard. He set some things up with, like, you know, setting rubs and picks and kind of being a decoy on some place. So big time credit to him for just going through the game plan, probably knowing the ball's not going to come this way very often. Last one here from at Russell Grace 16 
He's, we already talked about this, but the forecast for Nashville is not good for Miami. Close to freezing temps and wind gusts up to 20 miles per hour. What kinds of preparation and game strategy do you think the coaches will deploy? The last time they played in conditions like this, there was a lot of drop passes. John, what do you think? How do you get ready for a game like that? Well, I don't know if you can get ready without being in the elements. And obviously, you know, preparing in South Florida isn't going to get you ready for that. But I think it's one of those things you draw on on prior experiences. You know, you, you've all if you've played this game long enough, you've played in the rain, you've played in the snow, you've played in mud, you've played in pretty much every wind, any type of condition. You have to draw on some of the positives that you've had in the past and learn from some of the experiences that maybe didn't go so well. So you know what you like to do, what you don't like to do. And I think communication between all the coordinators, you know, whether it's offensive, defensive and special teams, particularly for me, when Tua, you know, you you get with the coordinators and you say, hey, this is what I really like in this situation. You know, I don't want to maybe throw that play outside the numbers. I'd rather get to something like this. Or maybe I do want to take a shot when I see a certain coverage and, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and kind of get to that play if this, you know, certain yardage or certain down and distance presents itself. So I think communication is a big factor because when you're sitting in the box, but, you know, with the other coaches, you're not out in the wind, in the rain, in the, in, you know, in the snow. You really don't get a good feel for it. So you're calling plays in maybe from upstairs that look pretty good on paper, but it's communication with the guys that are out there. Hey, I can get a guy because it, he's flat-footed in, in this, this footing. He's not going to be able to, to you know, reroute. Maybe it's a double move here or there. So it's a, communication is a huge factor when you have weather that's involved in a game. And hopefully Miami's short passing game can be efficient and kind of help them just, you know, take that methodical approach and, and sustain, like you mentioned earlier, sustain possession, keep the defense fresh and ready to get after the opposing quarterback there. John, you said it all. As always, my friend, I appreciate your time on the podcast here. A happy new year to my friend. It's Friday. So do you have any picks for the bowl games today? Boy, I don't, I don't know. I hope, I hope uh, let's see. I guess we're we're owned by the guys that went to Michigan, so I, I maybe go Wolverines. <laughs> smart and, and uh, smart play there, yeah. And you know what? I I don't know. Cincinnati somehow got gets to this point. I think it's going to be a, a good game for in the beginning of this game because they're going to play with a lot of emotion. But when things kind of settle, I, I think that uh, Alabama is the dominant team. Tough to go against Bama. I do agree with you. I think Michigan against that Georgia offense is a big mismatch, even though Georgia's defense is great. We'll see how Stetson Bennett can handle that tough, tough Michigan defense. So we will see for the bowl games as well as the Dolphins on Sunday. John, thank you again so much. Have a happy new year, my friend. And we'll talk to you uh, next week. Yeah, absolutely, Travis. You as well. And away he goes. Informative as always there with John Kinjemi. Can't wait to watch the season finale with him in the press box against the Patriots. But we do have a game coming up on Sunday still on the road in Nashville against the Titans. Let's go ahead and get to the rest of the mailbag here. And there are a few more questions we'll answer on the MiamiDolphins.com written edition of the mailbag. We start here with at MiamiKid88. What do you think happened to spark this seven-game winning streak? Well, I think you go back to the Buffalo Bills game on Halloween the seventh consecutive loss for the season for Miami in that particular space. And I thought the defensive production was coming around in that game through the first three or so quarters with the tight man coverage, a mix of good man and zone in the back end, some of the blitz packages, the ability to get run stops against that Buffalo offense, and also create pressure on Josh Allen to force him outside the pocket into secondary reads, possibly some potential mistakes if you can get him to do that. 
I thought we saw that in that game. And it's just been a continuation of that ever since. Matching your opponent with the correct game plan for pressure, for playing kind of off, for mixing man and zone. And offensively as well. I think Tua's come along, uh, really along in this kind of second portion of his second season with command, leadership, the huddle etiquette. The accuracy has been really good. The ball placement, the ability to kind of erase some of the pressure in the pocket. They found some balance at times in the two Jets games with the running game there as well. And of course, some big explosive plays have really helped the offense complement what the defense has done. Well, we talked about the you know, the 64-yard to Albert Wilson. I think it was like a 58-yarder to Isaiah Ford or something in that in that vein against the Ravens. There was a 46-yarder to Mike Gesicki, the 65-yarder to Matt Collins, the 57-yarder to Jalen Waddell. To have those explosive plays with this type of defense, to me, those are two things that go very well and go a very long way together to helping you win football games. At Cameron Fry 3, speaking of Tua, asks... What is one thing you believe Tua can improve on this offseason to take his game and the Dolphins to the next level? I think a lot of Tua's interceptions this year have come, and we talked about this in the Thursday podcast, right? Interceptions that come from not being blitzed or even from clean pockets. I think that those picks have been where there's been some simulated pressure where it looks like color's going to flash, but he actually isn't under duress, and then he doesn't get his feet set and kind of throws from awkward angles. And that... He can do that, but there are times where it's not right and the ball kind of floats on him. The first Jets game is a good example. I think the Saints game, that ball kind of got high and away, even though there was a miscommunication there a little bit. That's been some of the common themes in those turnovers. That and then ball security in the pocket are two things I think he can really clean up to take his game to the next level. And then also just hit those little short, shallow crossers that are available to him. Some of those immediate drag routes, I think take those, take the profit. He's usually really good about that, but just be a little more sound in that. That's a few things for you. And then he also has mentioned this a few times, making the right read on RPO and handing it off more and making the correct decision there. It happens in a flash. It's tough to do, but it's these are things that a 23-year-old quarterback should need to work on. And I expect him to do that and get better at that, all those things and all the areas that he perceives as weaknesses this upcoming offseason. Next question here from at Scatter303. You got any New Year's resolutions? Something tells me this is a bit of a nod to the question post game at the Patriots and Bills game last week. So tip of the cap to you, sir. But I actually do. And, you know, I haven't worked out in like three months. And that's like the first time I've gone more than just two or three days without a workout in almost a decade. Like not a big strong guy or anything like that, but I like to stay fit. I got to get back on it. I got to eat better, too. I mean, the the season and having the kiddo being up and running around has kind of created a lifestyle change that I didn't expect to ever happen, but I've adopted it as kind of being the lazy dad when it comes to anything else besides work and the kid. And so being that busy, I think has kind of got me into a bit of a, a downturn on my physical health and fitness. But I, I, once the season ends, my plan, and that's kind of goes along with New Year's, right? My plan is to get back on a workout regimen with the swimming pool right here across the street from my house, the uh, going outside for runs and jogs, and then also the gym here at the facility. And we have a little gym in our garage too. So plenty of opportunities for me to get back into. That's my New Year's, res- New Year's resolution. Just quit being a kind of a piece of crap, <laughs> to be honest with you. Okay, my week 18 NFL picks are as follows. And we are going into this week at 166, 73, and 1, 11 and 5 last week are for the week 17 picks. Give me the Bears over the Giants. I'll take the Patriots over the Jaguars. 
Rams and Ravens is a tough one for me with Lamar Jackson potentially coming back, but I'll take the Rams to stay hot. I'll take the Bucks over the Jets. The Bills over the Falcons. The Chiefs over the Bengals is a big-time matchup for seeding purposes and possibly a division clincher if the Bengals can pull the upset. I don't think they will. Give me the Chiefs. Take the Dolphins over the Titans. Give me the Colts over the Raiders. If Carson Wentz does not play, I reserve the right to flip that. Philadelphia over Washington. That was a close one for me too there, but I'll take the Eagles to kind of to get the sweep after the after WFT played down, you know, a lot of guys in that last time they match up on Tuesday a few weeks ago. Give me the Chargers over the Broncos. I think that'll be a close game though. Vic Fangio's cover two defense and, and just the attacking nature he has within that cover two and Pat Sertan really does a good job of limiting younger quarterbacks. Uh, I'll take the Niners over the Texans, the Seahawks over the Lions. Cardinals over the Cowboys, although I do not feel great about that one. I think eventually Arizona gets things sorted out here. I'll take this week to be the week it happens. Give me the Saints over the Panthers. I wanted to pick the Vikings over the Packers, but because it's in primetime, I'm going to take Green Bay and then Cleveland over Pittsburgh to spoil Ben Roethlisberger's last game at Heinz Field, as he mentioned that he would play his last game at Heinz Field in this Monday night affair. So those are your Week 17 picks. That's going to do it for the podcast. Keep an eye out on the MiamiDolphins.com written portion mailbag, which will be out sometime today, as well as the top news story. And also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast as well as the postgame show on 560. That's got Seth and OJ on both of those. Myself on the postgame show. Check out Dolphins Today on our YouTube channel as well as the media availabilities. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until Sunday for the recap show. Fins up, Caroline, Daddy is coming home.